Chewy. Hey. Thanks for doing the podcast, my Thanks man. for having me, Chase. Been, been wanting to have you on for a while. I think we've probably talked about you every episode in some capacity, whether it be one of your fabulous establishments, Adios, mm-hmm. Unos Tacos, mm-hmm. and many more. Mm-hmm. Now, when Harrison and I were on, we were talking about how Adios, someone described it as being the best mingling bar in town. I will take Would that. you agree with that? Oh, 100%. That was the whole idea behind it, especially just kind of like working in restaurants and bars the majority of my life and then finally creating a space where me and just everyone in the city can come in and be themselves. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And it's, uh, it's really focused around tequila, right? It's tequila heavy, yes. But we want to want to step away from that idea that because we're Mexican, we have to sell tequila. You know, so we're like, well, just how about how about we just make a place where we can uh, just represent our culture and our people, and then us as people of the city with what we love and what we do in a particular location. Then little by little, we're, we want to stay away from like we're just a tequila bar, but it is what it is. Well, yeah, yeah. At this point, it is. I just want to let you know something about Discover Birmingham's partner. Dr. Chase Horton Real Estate with EXP Realty. That's right, I'm talking about my business. Are you or someone you know considering buying or selling a home within the next six months? If so, let's chat. With their permission, simply send me their name and number and I'll reach out to talk about the best way to achieve their real estate goal. Whether they're a first time home buyer or they're selling a home they've cherished for 30 years, I've got them covered. And here's the deal, guys. Did you know that there's a huge segment of the population who may not even find out about your listing? While some buyers with realtors may find out about your listing through the MLS or online searches, there's a huge local audience tuning into this very podcast right now. And when you list your home with Dr. Chase Real Estate, I'll showcase your listing on this show. That way, thousands of local listeners and potential buyers will discover your listing before anyone else. So once again, if you know of anyone who's thinking of buying or selling within the next six months or so, simply text HOME to 205-213-9720. That's HOME, H-O-M-E, to 205-213-9720. All right, now let's jump back into today's episode of the Discover Birmingham podcast and highlight the best parts of our awesome city. I was telling you uh, when we were in there last time that Katie and I went on a trip to Los Angeles where she lived for some time and she has a lot of friends out there. We went to this party in the Hollywood Hills, a really nice spot, and we went downstairs and the host had this tequila and mezcal tasting room. The mm-hmm. whole room was designated just for that. And he's pouring us these tiny little shots of really nice tequila. And I was so fascinated because some of them had bits of raw chicken in the uh-huh. bottom. Mm-hmm. What does that do? From what I'm, I'm not, I'm not tequila, I'm not mezcal like knowledgeable, but from what I've read and some of the tastings that I've had myself, it's different basically process of how they're cooking the agave plants. So if you put it in the oven, the agave, and then you pull it out, you you start, you cook it with tequila basically. That's the tequila way of making, distilling tequila. But with mezcal, it's usually cooked underground. So they'll either add turkey breast or chicken breast or either or either type of vegetables or fruits or spices. And it just gives more flavor to the mezcal once it's all done. Does the raw meat ferment it? 
Mm, I don't think so. No? No, no. It kind of just adds just more flavor. Yeah, I thought that was so weird because, you know, you've always been told never consume raw chicken, yet no, here it is in this mezcal, no, and no, it's no. somehow delicious. It's usually just, uh, it's kind of just roasting, like, on top. It's not inside of the actual juice. Mm. Yeah, you would think they were dumping it in there. No. Uh-uh. Gotcha. I hope they're not. From, from, from the videos I've seen, it's just roasting and cooking on top, or it's just hanging. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you have, you know, I had a, um, I had Chef Daniel Knight on the podcast okay. recently, and yeah. he has a service called Date Night Dining, okay. where he comes to your house and cooks for you in your kitchen, fine dining, like seven course meals. Jeez. So he goes to the grocery store, he gets all the ingredients, and he he, he only buys the finest ingredients. He, he, he gave me a good education about fine dining. You know, mm-hmm. he made it clear that it's all about taking the best ingredients and bringing out the natural flavors from those ingredients. It's not about dressing up crappy ingredients and trying to present it as fine dining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was telling me about you know how advanced someone's palate might be and mm-hmm. how they can taste different flavors and different notes than the average person might be able to taste. So have you developed that over the years of bartending and being in the, the food and beverage industry? I think my palate's everywhere. I've worked in the kitchen before, but I think I was able to unlock that palate understanding when I used to work for Frank, like at Highlands, mainly because it was just like all in the books and it was all in like the meetings that we put in the kitchen or in the front of the house. And you really had to have your stuff together in order to like to be on the floor. But once I actually really understood what was on the table and how we were supposed to sell it to the guests is when I really started figuring out like, wait, so how do I understand how to taste or sample a wine or how do I notice certain different sauces that who to put on the chicken or on the fish or on the vegetables or um I think I have especially with tequila and wine when it comes to Mexican food I can kind of really tell what vegetables and what fruits and what like cheeses and like how if it's either poorly made where they just toss it in the pan and they just throw it out or is someone like my stepmom who like takes her time and measures everything and she just kind of nicks picks if she likes the sauce or not and doesn't put it on the table until she's like happy about it. And that's when it can be like, oh, like there's like some love into this food and there's not love on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you've developed your palate when it comes to wine and here's how I know that. <laughs> one time you were over at the loft when we lived downtown. Yeah. And you know how healthy Katie is. She's all, everything's got to be organic. Yeah. <laughs> and she had this organic wine and she poured us all a glass and I was like, yeah, it's fine. And you drink it and you go, this is disgusting. <laughs> I didn't. She's like, yeah, but it's organic. And I was like, no, this is gross. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I mean, but I, in, a, in a sense, wine, wine's goofy because everybody's just like, oh, it's organic or it's uh, the viticulture behind it. Or it's just, well, all it means is that they're just not putting any type of chemicals in it or they're not letting certain bugs like land on it um, or pesticides or stuff like that. Well, hey, before we get into the the juice of it, I got a little gift for you coming on the podcast. That is a little gift. You ever read this book? There's a naked man on it. No, it's called The Alabama Admirer. Okay. Yeah. I found it <laughs> and as I was searching for another book on Amazon, uh-huh. and I thought, Chewie would love this. I know how you love romance novels. So. I, I adore it. <laughs> romance novels. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Although, I, I, you know what? Let me just read you the summary of this book, because when I... When I uh, got it as kind of a joke, I read the the synopsis and it was a, it was absolutely absurd. So I'm going to share it with you real quick before I give you your real gift. Okay. Alabama admirer. 
I trusted a beautiful stranger with my little girl. When the worst thing imaginable happens, I'll do anything to protect them both. While in line at his favorite fast food restaurant, Xander's daughter announces that she needs to use the restroom. The men's room is occupied, and Xander isn't welcome in the ladies' room, so he asks the beautiful woman he's been secretly admiring for her help. Kate is more than happy to oblige the sexy man and adorable child. None of them could have predicted what happens next, but it will forever change all three of their lives. Was Xander wrong to send his little girl with Kate? Find out when you read Alabama Admirer. Now, if that doesn't suck you in, I don't know what will. Not that. I know. That's the, that's the weirdest book <laughs> I summary I've ever yeah, heard. I would read it. Like the so first weird. chapter. Wait, have you read it? No. What? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I bought it as a gag gift just because it's called Alabama Admirer. <laughs> now uh, I kind of want to read it. <laughs> no. What I, what I actually got for you is a copy of Alabama Short Stories. Okay. I've been listening to this podcast. Uh, the guy's name is Sean Wright. Okay. And it's got stories about Birmingham's history that are really, really fascinating. So... Have you ever heard about Fancy the Elephant? I know there's a Fancy the Elephant over in Avondale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's the statue there in Avondale, mm-hmm. and Fancy's on 5th is named after it. Fancy the Elephant was uh, it was at Birmingham's first zoo, which was in Avondale. Okay. Avondale Park used to be a zoo. And they, at first, they just had animals such as local wildlife. They had foxes and coyotes and chickens, and that was all they had at the zoo. <laughs> yeah. So the first kind of exotic animal they got was a man brought back a baby leopard from his travels overseas. And then the second real attraction they got was Fancy the Elephant. They bought her from a circus, and she weighed, I think, uh, 1,800 pounds. The thing was, when she got to Birmingham, she got here a little bit early on a train, Mm -hmm. and they didn't have her habitat ready yet. (laughs) So there was a mattress. That sounds fac- like Birmingham. Yeah, yeah it kind of does. <laughs> there was a mattress factory downtown that opened the doors for Fancy the Elephant and put mattresses on the floor and let her sleep in their warehouse until they got the exhibit ready. So she would walk down 20th Street or 2nd Avenue. She'd walk down one of the main streets in Birmingham back and forth from the zoo back home to her mattress factory until they got her habitat ready so people could look out the window and just see an elephant walking by that's wild yeah how long ago was that oh man i think it was in the early 1900s oh geez okay so the exhibit wasn't built strongly enough to hold Mm -hmm. in an elephant it was just kind of a rinky dink fence Mm -hmm. so sometimes she would just feel like escaping and she would go for a walk up aberdeen road or up through uh through crestwood and and just allowed this what could they do about it? She was a giant <laughs> elephant, and this is when we were in horse and buggies. You know? Yeah, so it was normal, I <laughs> yeah. guess, at that time. Yeah, but uh, and he has a podcast is how I discovered okay. it. So I've been listening to the podcast, Alabama Short Stories. He's told all these fun stories about Birmingham. I've been enjoying it. So here's a copy of the Man, book. I appreciate you. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I think it's a, a good coffee table book, and I got that on Amazon. Sweet. Thank you. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> so you mentioned when you were working with Frank at Highland, so... For anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about Frank Stitt. Tell us a little about that. Oh, man, that sucked. Um, I think my I think my description of working for Frank Well, first, was who's, like, who's he? Uh, Frank well, Stitt. James Beard, award-winning uh, chef, owns Highlands Bottega Chez Fon Fon over on the south side or in Highland Park, I guess, Highland area. 
still being nominated for for restaurants you know um amazing food beautiful beautiful restaurants and great hospitality but my history with him or in his or in his organization for me it was just like difficult man because i mean i did when i got into the restaurant business or my restaurant career was in 2010 and so all the way to 2010 to 2018 close to 19 all i knew was just chips and salsa tacos and quesadillas because all i did was just work at mexican restaurants i was so just like head focused that that's all what food is like there was nothing more than mexican food so when I got the opportunity to go work for him, I was in a very men like mentally difficult spot trying to understand what was wanted to be like taught to me, like with food. Like you're talking about how to how, how to understand what wine was. And all these years just working at different places, I just thought wine was just like red or white liquid. I never understood the basics that it was a grape. You know, when someone asked me what was a Chardonnay, I'm like, oh, it's white wine. They'd be like, no, but what is a Chardonnay? I'm like, I have no clue. They'd be like, it's it's a grape, man. And I'm like, like it's mind blown. I, oh I was, wait, a Chardonnay is a type of grape. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like I was just that that oblivious, you know. And then little by little, they just kept putting knowledge in my head and knowledge in my head. And but I was just so like ignorant to the idea that like knowledge is power. And um, I was with them for about maybe I was at Highlands for about three months. Started off trying to be at the bar then i realized that i was not a real bartender so they brought me down to server trained me at the server realized that i had no knowledge whatsoever behind hospitality fine dining or food then they moved me all the way down to like white staff so i, I mean uh, uh the guy who pours your water and picks up your plate and i'm like man like it was so for me at i guess 19 eight no 29 it was kind of like hurtful it kind of sucked you know like man i'm about to be this 30 year old man and I can't, I can't, I don't know anything coming from bartending and managing Mexican restaurants, but also but finally being at that level of fine dining, I was just, I wasn't in a good spot mentally and emotionally. I wasn't proud of myself. I actually quit, you know, because um, after three months in, I kept failing all my quizzes, all my tests. And, um, and when I quit, I call Ryan Ford, which is one of their GMs at Highlands. I'm like, on a Tuesday, I'm like, hey, man, I'm just, I'm not going to come in today. And he was just like, why, why is that? I mean, I, this is too difficult. I don't, I don't understand what the hell you guys are doing. I don't, I don't understand what this restaurant's about. This is just, this is not me, man. I'm just, I just got to go do something that I actually know. And he was like, no, 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 no. Um, How about you take today off and um, we'll give you a call back so you can have a meeting with Pardis. And I'm like, but, but I quit. Like, I'm not. I'm not coming in. Like, what part of that do you not understand? He was like, no, no, we're going to figure this out for you. And then they hang up and I'm on the phone like, but I quit, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to come back. Um, the next day I received an email and, um, and it was from one of the owners. It was from Partis, And she was like, Hey, it wasn't even like, Hey, how are you doing? It was just like, Hey, I will see you at Bottega dining Friday at one thirty. And I all, I all I can do is just respond back and be like, yes, ma'am, you know. So I take that entire week off, actually. I'll walk into the um to the Bottega dining room side and I feel like I'm in the principal's office, you know, just like, oh, man, what's about to happen? Like, what's going on? I, I quit literally five days before. And we sit down and um, it was finally one of those like one-on-one -on -one moments where I'm with a real restaurateur, like someone that 
I was trying to be later in life. And she kind of just gave me a rundown. I'm like, wait, like if you want to get to this level, if you really want to own your own business one day or manage a business or do the things that I'm that I am doing now, I really need to let go of my ego and really need to stop being scared. And um, it's not about it's not about like trying to be the best. But how about you go work with the best and learn from them? And once I figured that out, that like they were trying actually trying to help me and not just use me to be another server, I was like, man, like this is this is actually a really good organization. Yeah, they're genuine. They were genuine. And I was just like, wait a second. And then she was like, Well, how can we help you? And like I've never had a boss tell me that. Like usually when I tell a boss that I quit, okay, bye. You know, we'll get someone else, you know. Well, Chewie, they probably felt that way about you. I doubt they would have done that for anybody because they mm -hmm. see how genuine you are. Yeah. Thank you. After that, I was just like, well, I, I would love to be here, but I, I don't think Highlands is it. And she was like, well, all right, well, where do you want to go? And I'm, I was trying to sneak my way into Bottega, you know, because it was Italian. It was fun. It was more laid back. And she was like, all right, I'll think about it. No, she dumps me a Chez Fon Fon, which is basically Highlands' little sister or whatever. Just um, not as like toughy or stuffy or whatever. And um, they dumped me a Chez Fon Fon and I just, I just flourished, you know, like two weeks in, I was, I was really, I was trained differently and I understood the restaurant concept and four weeks later I passed my test and I was one of one of their main guys for a while. Nice. Yeah, yeah. More cash, more capital, and new customers for your business. That's where Moxie comes in. Moxie Birmingham is a growing community of small businesses helping one another thrive. As a Moxie member, you earn more revenue from brand new customers, not spend your hard-earned revenue on various expenses, and even get a no-interest, no-payment line of credit, all within the Moxie network. As a Moxie member myself, I can tell you that I choose to support other businesses that also accept Moxie. In fact, I've discovered some of my very favorite restaurants, healthcare practitioners, and home and auto service businesses through Moxie. I'm talking Soho Social, Heavenly Donuts, Nothing But Cakes, just to name a few. Go to moxiebirmingham.com, that's M-O-X-E-Y-B-H-A-M.com to learn more. Moxie, it's the smarter way to barter. Well, Chewie, I think I've buried the lead here. You know, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have you on is because you have one of the best come up stories that I know of. You've, <laughs> you know, you think about the American dream. Yeah. And I think you're a really, really good example of that. Thanks. So yeah, yeah. let's get into where you started mm -hmm. and where you are now and how you got there. Okay. I feel like I'm a cat with like multiple lives. For those that don't know, I'm not. Not, I'm not from the States, you know, I'm from Mexico. My dad migrated here first in 92, 93, looking for a job. Um, I'm originally from Tabasco, Mexico. And those for you who don't know, Tabasco, like the hot sauce, people joke about that all the time, borders Guatemala uh, near the Gulf of Mexico and Ibiza. So I come from a very tropical state, a lot of mango, a lot of tamarind, a lot of iguanas, you know, a lot of freaking monkeys. Like it's just, it's just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful state. Yeah. My dad comes up here first, and then um, this is where I think I am the most grateful for, where someone, like, that takes your life. 
is that my dad, instead of like just leaving me and my mom behind, like decides to come back, like driving. Um, it's about three, four days to get to Mexico. You see, he, he wasn't doing fly, uh, flights back then. Picks us up and decides to bring us back to the States. Originally, we were supposed to go to um, South Carolina on Myrtle Beach. But um, he says that we landed in, in we landed in Arkadelphia because he ran out of gas. So he was just like, I need to get a job here. So my story starts in Birmingham in 1994. And um, come from really hardworking parents. My dad was a landscape and he still does landscaping to this day even though he's my partner at unos he still goes off and cuts yards and plants flowers and trees and shit like yeah he, he doesn't just, need to do landscaping he, he must just enjoy yeah, he it just right? enjoys it yeah say my mom was into um house cleaning so she was a maid as well so so we we lived in bessemer in arkadelphia for a while and then um we moved to shelby county so i lived in pelham for about all the way up to like I was eight, all the way up till I was possibly 19. Did you, you know? go to Pelham? I did go to Pelham. Uh, my parents separated when I was like 12, 13. So my dad kind of just gets up and dips. I don't I don't have my dad for the majority of my teenage years. So you were living with your mom at that point? Yeah, I lived with my mom at that point. Um, my mom my mom was like a true hustler, you know, just like she after after my parents separated, she had to go figure out how to make money. And I caught that on from my mom. I'm like, my mom always found a way to make money either working at restaurants or doing sketchy shit like, like, <laughs> uh, like okay but my mom's making money she's making that cash in yeah you know? so killing it. i was like yeah she she's just that was just her instinct and i just kind of um i grew up a brat i'm not gonna lie you know um, also my mom was making money you know so um my mom's way of like showing love was just to buy me things i'm like Back then, I was like, okay, cool. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, mom, like, that's not what you should have done. <laughs> so, example, like in high school, for those that went to high school with me, my freshman, sophomore year, I was, my sophomore year, I was driving a Corvette to school. So, everybody was just like, who's that guy? Well, yeah, who's that guy? And what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, when I finally went to Thompson, I was driving like an Escalade and a Hummer and a M3. Like, I was just, I was that kid. People always wondering, like, what? What's he doing? You hey, man, know? he's working a lot of shifts at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, that was that. That was like one era of my life where I had no work ethic. I had like no discipline. I just, I was just a brat. I was just a kid. I was still humble. I was still nice. I never like screwed anybody over or, was, or, or rude anyone. I just didn't acknowledge what hard work was, you know. Um, I would go to restaurants below 150 or 100 and tip a dollar or two you know like i just had no knowledge of that life um eventually all that came crashing down life mistakes i um i've had a little bit of like some decent hardships in life you know like i i got busted speeding and in St. Clair County or whatever, and I went to went to jail for like three months for speeding. That, yeah, there's more story to behind that, but really? yeah, it was just what like is, what yeah, happened? Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about okay. it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I I get in some trouble, and that was that was probably one of like the biggest wake up moments of my life. You know, like I guess being alone. Unfortunately, it showed me who my friends were because they were not around. My uh, sweet ex-wife or ex-girlfriend at that time was, like, the only person who would come and see me in jail. My mom was, like, so, like, mentally wrecked she wouldn't go, you know. So, for, like, three months, I was just, like, in some serious solitude. So, um, 
even in even in like in jail, I was just like I cried maybe for like the first month until it finally hit me like, well, I'm here for two more months until I'm out of here, you know. And um, I grew up pretty quick at the age of 19. I think that's when it happened. 18, 19 is when it happened. And when I got out, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to like therapy for this now, but I realized that I wasn't like, okay, you know, because I was just so like, I was like a stone. I'm like, wait, like, I don't ever want to mess up again. I don't ever want to go back there again. Like it really grew me up. And, um, I, a sense of like discipline came out of that, you know, just, and understanding of what like life really is. And when I got out, I'm like, wait, I am, I'm in a great country. I I'm healthy. I can do whatever I want. Like, I don't care if I need like wash dishes or clean toilets. I'm going to figure out a way like to be successful because back then I didn't go to college. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in universities. I wasn't, that, that was never my thing. And I knew that I had to go figure out a way to find my true gifts or my, my real, like, how would I say my skill sets, you know? So, um, my mom didn't do too well. So she kind of just packs up after I got out. Um, she packs up and she just goes back to Mexico. So my mom, my mom's okay now, you know? And so my restaurant career starts like a year after that. And I land at a Margarita Grill in Pelham, Alabama. So let's take a pause because obviously yeah. we, we're going to spend a lot of time on the restaurant career. Yeah. But let's go back to when you were in jail. I just have a couple of questions because, you know, I had Josh on recently uh-huh. and he was talking about his time working as a correctional officer. Yeah. Did you know about that? I did not know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think he was on episode. I on. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was episode three or four, but mm-hmm. he um, he worked at a prison in Florida. What? And he was telling me about the dynamics in prison. And it's so fascinating and it's kind of scary, to be honest. But you lived that. Mm-hmm. He was saying about, um, you know, kind of like you see in movies, how it's it's segregated, but it's not the prison that segregates the inmates. It's the inmates segregate themselves. So mm-hmm. did you see that when you were in? Was it segregated white, black, Latino? No, no, not at all. Well, not in this one. Well, not in this particular county jail. Um, so you, this wasn't was, prison. This was a county jail. Yeah, That's different. It was, yeah, it was segregated basically on what your offense was. My offenses were not were not felony, you know, mine were just misdemeanors. So basically I was in a, at first I was in a jail cell by myself. And then once the judge realized that I didn't have any actual real, I was just being punished by the judge, you know, for dumb crap I was doing. So what ended up happening was I was just this 18, 19 year old kid. Oh yeah, I was 18, about to turn 19. Was like, well, he didn't do anything bad. So you just go put him with the trustees and the trustees are the guys that do like work. And, um, Getting into detail with that, I think that's where my real work ethic came in because um, I was, since I wasn't a bad criminal per se, they're like, well, let's just go put them in the kitchen. So my first actual kitchen job was in jail, um, washing dishes and making pancakes, grits, and bacon. No you know? way. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to wake up at four, go into the kitchen with these guys, prep everything, then go to the second floor and like serve serve all the cells. Then come back around nine, wash dishes, and come back around eleven, start getting lunch ready, serve lunch around twelve thirty or one, come back, take my break, then go back for dinner and just kind of do that over and over and over again. So your primary skill sets right now technically <laughs> started from what you learned in jail. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, like the, the the kitchen discipline of it. And um 
I this might be a little bit too graphic, but like I the only reason why I got out of that is because I was like sexually assaulted in the kitchen. I like I'm still in shock that it happened because you wouldn't think that it would happen to you, you know, but I'm I was like a child in comparison to this grown ass man. So when it happened, I got saved because like they could see it in camera. So the officers come in and they take this guy off of me. And I'm using like, on the floor like in complete like in disgust, one, but two, and also in shock because you're trying to defend yourself. So like I that subject or when it happens to someone else, I'm like, yo, like I it didn't really happen to me, but I complete how you I can understand how you felt. So with that, they kind of just grabbed me and they put me into laundry. And then from laundry, I was doing laundry work at night. And then the top tier job that you can get in, in jail, in my opinion, is um, like sweeping them up in the floors, which gave you liberty to like literally walk out of the jail and just go wash cars, go into the garage, go into the lobby. You did whatever you so wanted. You had some freedom in there. Yeah. And um, so, so what, I what just, happened to the guy? Oh, to that guy? Oh, yeah. they, moved, uh, they put him back into the cells. So he lost his trustee job per se. Mm. Um, Were you furious with him? Was you? Did you want to seek revenge or something? No, dude. I mean, no, no. I just wanted to get out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in there with some with some more hardcore dudes, man. Like, did you was... develop any relationships with them in in there? Did you, uh, you know, was there like a mentor relationship, or or did was there one? Was there anyone that you felt like you could confide in? Hell no. 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 Okay. So it was just like keep your head down, get keep through your it. head down. Okay. I mean, I got. I probably. I got. I got beat up twice, one for changing the TV channel, which I deserved. I just I didn't see anybody in the in the hallway. I'll make in the little room that we watch TV in, change it. Next thing I know, I just hear this like I feel the slap on my face. I'm like, nobody told you to change the channel. Okay. You know, like I, I should have asked. It's one of those like typical rules that you just ask, is anybody watching TV? And I just didn't ask. Another one we were fighting over a this guy could like goes into my room and we're just kind of like wrestling fighting until wrestling playing until it became like an actual fight fight. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I guess the leader of that, of the dorm comes in and just takes us apart. But no, like I kept simple relationships. Hey, how are you doing? My touch this, my do that. But I never seek the friendship out of that. You know, I hope all those guys are doing well. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I have a feeling that you, uh, you came out on top of that situation as yeah. far as how you ended up afterward. Yeah. 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 But I mean, but, but I, as like one thing that I learned in therapy is like, I always carry that thought process. I'm like, man, this really messed me up. I hate that it happened to me. It sucks. It really messed me up. But now, now I'm like, it sucked that it happened to me, but it happened it sucks that it happened, but I shouldn't let it really like dictate who I am, you know. And um, I look back at it, and I am glad, to a certain extent, that I developed certain um, levels of maturity coming out of that place, because now I am way more disciplined. Now I'm way more cautious. Now I'm way more respectful. Now I developed like a strong mental capacity of like, well, I know I can have stress, but that stress level of being and jail without your family by yourself you don't know what's going on you you can get beat up or all these like actual real dark moments in life does not compare to the real stresses that we have in the free world you know like so it takes a lot to get me there to try and break me because i've already experienced that at a very young age so you've, you saw some true perspective from an early age yeah yeah so after that that's why i'm so i think that's why people are like wait how does he do all these things or why doesn't he like trip or or do or why doesn't he like break Man, I broke when I was like 18. 
And I want you guys to know that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you find yourself struggling with anxiety, depression, or just feeling stuck in life? Well, BetterHelp is here to help. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy platform with licensed therapists available to you from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your therapist, or you can simply message them anytime you need to. No more sitting in traffic, no more waiting rooms, ugh, and no more feeling uncomfortable. And here's the best part. BetterHelp is affordable. Financial aid is available to those who qualify, and our listeners get 10% off their first month by visiting betterhelp.com Birmingham. Take the first step towards a happier, healthier life with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com Birmingham today and get 10% off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Discover Birmingham podcast. Now back to the show. One thing you told me one time when we were hanging out, I think you said something like, you can't control what happens to you, but what you can 100% control is how you respond to what happens to you. Oh, 100%. I mean, at that moment, I mean, yeah, it sucks. All you could do is just cry. But like, I think one the first month I that I was crying, I was crying, I hanged up the phone and I just started like praying and just bawling out. And then like, you know, when you're crying and you get that last, <sighs> you know, and I'm like, you feel better. I'm like, well, I'm here. I mean, I, I got 36 more days, you know, or how many days are left? Like, just, just do your sentence and get out and learn from this and and do the best, you know? Like, don't let this ruin you, you know? Like, now I know what not to do and not to come back to this place. So Yeah, so yeah. fast forward a few years. Yeah. You mentioned that you started out at Iguana Grill. Margarita Grill. Margarita Grill. I, yeah. Iguana I, Grill is what? good. That's a restaurant. I've gotten those two confused so much that... I called to order takeout from Iguana Grill and <laughs> went to Margarita Grill to pick it up. And they were like, yeah, we don't have any orders from you. Like, well, well, it's because I'm at the wrong restaurant, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe your name shouldn't be so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Margarita Grill. Margarita Grill. Um, actually, I, I there has to be like a YouTube video or a book about this. How, when's, how, why, why do certain doors open and why do certain doors close? Because the first restaurant that I actually went to go apply was Frontera Grill here in Hoover. I walked in, so nervous. I'm 20, yeah, I'm 20 at this age, um, at this point in my life. And I walk in and I ask for the manager. And I'm like, hey, I'm wondering if you guys are hiring. I would like a job. And they automatically were like, no, we're not hiring. Which is a lie. We're always hiring. You know, you, <laughs> you need cut onions or wash dishes or do something. And I was so devastated. You know, that like I couldn't get a job and I just felt so useless. Like I was just like, why do I feel this way? So wait, you knew they were hiring, but I they knew said they, were they weren't? Yeah. They, Did I, they just mean they weren't hiring you? Or? I, I don't know. I just, I just took the no. I took the L and um, I was just like, okay, you know? And then um, I, Alex, then a buddy of mine, old time friend named Alex Plata was like, hey, we're hiring at Margarita Grill if you want to come check us out. And I'm like, okay, well, I... Here I go, you know, and um, at this point, I'm at the lowest point of my life besides jail or whatnot. But I'm like, yes, I'm out in the free world. I'm just doing my own thing. And I'm like, I don't have any money. In my, I don't have any money. You know, uh, my mom's already gone back home. 
Um, no, she was still here, but she was in that verge of going back home. Are y'all in contact at this point? Yeah, we're still in contact. Okay. We were we were living together, you oh. know. Um, we didn't have our businesses, and um, basically, I walk into Margarita Grill, and there's this handsome man, you know, and uh, which is Javier. He's like he, he the owner of the restaurant, but I didn't know. And he's wiping down his menus, and I walk up to him like, "Hey, I was wondering if you guys were hiring." He's like, "Yeah, I think we are. Have you ever served before?" I'm like, "No." Have you ever bartended before? He's like, no. Have you ever worked on a restaurant before? No. And he looks at me. He's like, we speak really good English. I'm like, yeah. You know, <laughs> it was like, all right, man, we'll come back at four. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll train you. And I'm like, okay. You know, so I walk off and then I come back in. I'm like, well, what do I wear? You know, it's like, oh, come on, Chewy. You know, like black pants, black shoes and a white shirt. And I'm like, Okay, okay. So I walk back to my car and I check my bank account and I only have like 35 bucks. You know, I'm just like, man, I need to buy some black pants. So I call my, my ex at that time. I'm like, can you, can you loan me 50 bucks? You know, so I can go to Walmart and buy some pants. Sweetheart, you know, she gives me the money. I go to Walmart, change. And after that, man, I just, I just skyrocketed in the restaurant. Went from server to bartender to assistant management to floor management. Into a sense like an operating partner, you know, because I was they had a really good salary salary way of paying us. And um, do you think that you speaking really good English played a big role in all 100%. that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Why? Why, why wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, like um, there's a you would know this. There's a whole different experience between if you come across me or if you have someone serving you the exact same thing. Your experience with me is way different than someone who doesn't speak English. Because we connect, we can understand, we can joke around, I can read your body language, I can call you out on something, hey sir, is everything okay? Which is someone who does not comfortable with their English will be like, I don't know what to do. No yeah. second. Or they'd just rather just walk off. You That's know? gotta be so tough. Yeah. Living somewhere where you don't speak the language fluently. Mm-hmm. So if you don't speak English, speak English, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially in the, Me- in the Mexican restaurants. Other than the obvious, you being in school here for since you were how old? Kindergarten. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so you, okay, yeah. gotcha. Kindergarten, I did, I did it all. That answered my question. Then. Yeah, yeah. After that, man, like life happened. I did all the, uh, I did all the, uh, the typical life moves. I thought I was, I got married. That obviously did not work out. Then, um, hold on. You went to kindergarten in America? Yeah, I went to, I went to, I forgot what the school was, but I went to a school in Bessemer. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, I went to Trace Crossings, Trace Crossings. I went to elementary school, Valley, Valley, River Chase, River Chase, Pelham. Pelham went to Thompson, graduated Thompson, and then off to the streets. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> These streets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you became managing or uh, um, operating partner mm-hmm. at Margarita Grill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then what? I don't know if I would say operating partner, but I don't know what it would be called Something back Something like that? Yeah. yeah, I was making good money. After that, um, life happened. And I will admit my work ethic just declined. After my divorce, I just, I became a total. So you were married at that point? Yeah. And then I got divorced. And after that, I think I got, it got to my head that I was irreplaceable. Um, I got to my head that I was at the top of the top. It got to my head that I thought I knew everything. And kind of, they kind of just stopped my ego real quick, you know. And then once I, they realized that I wasn't performing at the level that they needed me to be, they, they kind of sat me down and they let me go. And I needed that. And I was like 24, 25 at that time. And um, I got demoted. So I went from manager all the way to back being a server. 
that was very embarrassing. You yeah. know, that hurt my pride and my ego a lot. Um, it took me by surprise. But I realized that it's business. You know, um, it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's for all for the right for the business. And now, now I carry that with all my businesses. I don't care if me and you are best buddies, but if you don't perform the way I need you to perform, I'll let you know. I'm like, hey, man, maybe this is not the place for you. Yeah. Um, for the record, I would perform. Oh, 100%. Yeah, just so that. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, um, it sucked, but then I got a phone call from uh, Caesar, who was the manager at um, Casino Superior, which no longer exists. Really good restaurant. At um, Brookwood Mall. Brookwood Mall. Yeah, man. it was good. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we're looking for servers. And I'm like, maybe I need a change. And like, just leave Shelby County or Pelham behind and just go seek something new. So was that a pretty significant step up? A hundred percent. Well, for me, it was. Uh, maybe in the restaurant world for the people, I'm like, no, just moving restaurants to most people now is just like, whatever. It's just easy for But them. as far as like just the caliber of restaurant, wouldn't you say that was a, a pretty good step up or not really? Mm, to an extent, to, to my perspective, yes, because the food quality was different. Better the clientele area. was different. Yeah. The networking was completely different. The price points were different. Um, better area, all these things. And the market was different. So you went from a from small town back then, small town Pelham, to big market, Birmingham. So I went in with that with that acknowledgement and um I was nervous. I don't know why I was always nervous nervous about things. I'm still nervous about things now. But um <laughs> I think I'm like, wait. And um I walked into that restaurant and um, real quick, once again, I just started killing it. You know, just I became a bartender in like in five months. Just what, what took me a year at Margaret Grill became five months there. And then in eight months, I became a, a floor manager. So I was there for about two years until I got my my, my big break with uh, with Frank. You got called up to the bigs. Yeah. Well, to an extent, yeah. My relationship with the casino wasn't. It didn't end well, you know. Um, the team wasn't there. The team was just kind of just really looking out for themselves. So when I wanted to do better for myself, they were not on board. And when I realized that, I had to quit. I had to go work with like a real, with real team members, with real coworkers. So that's how that's how I landed with Taco Mama at that time, and Frank Stitt, which is what really made my career into what it is now. Yeah. Well, speaking of what it is now, let's talk about that. You got a few things going on, a few of my favorite spots to eat yeah. in town and spots to hang out and mingle, as we say. Let's talk mm -hmm. about some of that. What you got going on? Uh, my first baby, or my adopted child, I guess, is uh, the Lewis Bar, you know, with um, at the Bazich Food Hall. That one is kind of the one where I it put me into, into where I am now, located in downtown Birmingham, obviously, in the food hall, the central bar. And then after that... Time passed, obviously, and I, re I reconnected with my father, and um, we opened up Uno's Tacos in the 2020 pandemic, which is a, which is a very interesting story as well. Ballsy, yeah. But before we get into that, what I what I love most about Lewis Bar mm -hmm. and Pizzits is that you have all the variety, you have mm -hmm. all the choices of different restaurants to eat at, and then you can get your food, and you can just bring it right up to your bar. Yep. and eat it at your bar, mm -hmm. maybe have a chat with you if you happen mm -hmm. to be there, mm -hmm. have a drink. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to go get a dessert at another one of the yeah. stalls in the food hall. Or something like, yeah. yeah. It's a really mini, 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 mini Epcot. 
You know, you can just drink, eat, like, and just walk around. You can, drink, you, want. you can eat and drink around the world yeah. within <laughs> the Pizzits, within Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> mini, 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 mini. Yeah. But yeah. So that's that one. We still own that one. And then we open up Unos Tacos, which is a small little little mini taqueria as well. And these are all my parents' recipes, my stepmother now and my father's recipes. We're about two years ago, started really pursuing another Uno's. And all those deals kept falling through, like falling off. Then I was like, all right, let me get, let me build another bar. Try to build a bar, and it fell off. And I'm like, man, like, what, what, what am I really trying to do? And then the idea of adios came up into place. And I'm like, how about I do a cocktail bar, in, like in my vision, you know? And I saw the vision. I figured out the finances. I found the location. And then when it came down to like the nitty gritty of the cocktails, I'm like, I can make drinks, but I can't make drinks that good because guy, I travel a lot. You know, I go to San Francisco, I go to Miami, I go to New York, Nashville, Atlanta. Um, yeah, you just got yeah. back from New York. Yeah, like I, I know what a real good freaking cocktail is, and I can't make that. So, um, I approached Jose Medina, who's my my partner now too, and I'm like, Yo, man, like. I have this idea. I have this concept in my head. Would you love to join me? Because I would love to have you. And he was like, well, he was really hard to like sell on, you know. I'm like, just believe in me. Like, this is going to pop off. Like, I know it will. Like, but you just got to like really like join me on this. And so we did. You know, we we shook hands. We partnered up on it. And now we have Adios, you know, on First Avenue, which is one of my pride and joys. You know, just just seeing it and seeing what Jose does and bringing his, his art and his craft and his and his work ethic into this project and taking it to where it is now. How did you nail the atmosphere on that one? Because it's it just feels so good in there. It's mm-hmm. it's similar to Paper Doll in that mm-hmm. the atmosphere is great. It's mm-hmm. not that the decorations mm-hmm. or anything. It, it's it's very different. Mm-hmm. But before Audios came along, Paper Doll was my favorite mm-hmm. atmosphere in town. It, the lighting is nice and dark. Mm-hmm. And Jason Koenig, the the owner, and uh, and Joel. I was working with them when they were coming up with that concept. So we were traveling around for another, for other work, for um, functional medicine work. And along the way, they were doing research. So we were going to all these awesome bars in Vegas and Colorado and Denver. And they were finding little pieces that they yes, loved and yeah. implementing it into Paper Doll. 100%. Is that what you did? That's exactly what I did. I think the whole idea started for Adios in San Francisco. Um, I walked into a cocktail bar called Peacekeeper, and their theme was uh, Oaxacan cocktail bar. And as soon as I walked in, the music made me feel a certain way. The the lighting was like right on point, which it wasn't too bright, wasn't too low. Like you could just you can see everyone, but still kind of discreet and sexy at the same time. The presentation, the layout of the bar, and then the cocktail list. I'm like, man, this this would kill in Birmingham. And then I went to a cocktail bar in New York called Mr. Paradise. And that's where I started seeing stucco and leather being implemented. And then the final feel for like entertainment and then music came from, to me, was a Cafe Trova in Little Havana, Miami. Um, and it's a Cuban, it's a Cuban restaurant. And as soon as I walked in, I just felt like I belonged there. People were dancing. The music was on point. Their service was was amazing. It was very hospitable. They were speaking English and Spanish. I'm like, oh man, this would be so cool if I could if I could really grab all these pieces and 
create my own. And um, and that's what we did with Adios. You know, we, me and Jose sat down and we discussed what we wanted, but we're both dudes, you know, like, oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. But then we put them all together. It didn't make any sense. And I'm like, we need to have someone to really corral our ideas and put them in an, in a logical place that made sense, you know. So we teamed up with Morgan Gillespie or Selward. I don't know which one she likes her name to be, but um, she grabbed the idea and created Adios, man. Very feels like an hacienda, and that's what we wanted to feel. We didn't want piñatas. We didn't want crazy talavera. We didn't want crazy cut. We didn't want any of that. We really wanted to be like a like a Mexican home. So if you walked into our place, this is what it would look like. So some pink, some green, some leather, some brown. So there was concrete. There is a the lighting's on every everything just felt comfortable. And, and it's got place. different nooks. It's almost mm-hmm. like uh, you consider the bar, and that's kind of like the kitchen. You consider mm-hmm. it one of the booths, and that's almost like a living room. Mm-hmm. It's got a, the other area in the front left. It feels kind of like a dining room. Mm-hmm. The back right feels kind of like a lounge where you could sit back and whisper sweet nothings in your ladies' yeah, ear. Yeah, we're getting a fight. A fight happened the <laughs> other day. Uh, like guys, what are you doing? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Now that you mentioned it, it's kind of based on a home, mm-hmm. what is the um, the back left corner where it's lit up with all the photos? Uh, that is our Day of the Dead altar. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a community altar. Um, at first, we were going to keep it just for the Day of the Dead season, but we were like, wait, you know, let's just leave, let's just leave it up there all year and let not just us, but let people also like contribute to it. And those were for those who don't know what it is, Day of the Dead is basically just a celebration of life and death, and we honor it with your loved ones. It can either be a grandparent or it can be a pet. You know, um, put like little candles. You bring something that remem- that reminds you of them, and we just honor that for the rest of the year. That's so, great. Yeah. So hopefully this year we'll be able to pull off a big celebration, which is in the works. When is when is the Day of the Dead? Um, October twenty ninth to the November 2nd, I believe. Oh, so it's yeah. throughout Halloween. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's some overlap there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a big story behind it. It starts with the Aztecs and then with the conquistadors coming in with Catholicism and then kind of converting it into their own and then it didn't work and then now you just have a whole celebration of it. Yeah. yeah there's It's a cool history. Yeah. Well, we're drinking some coffee here and that's got me thinking about some concepts you have yeah. upcoming, but you like the coffee? I like the coffee. You saw how I made it? Yeah, you're... Okay, I'm I'm going to share the recipe. Yeah. (laughs) All right, what you do, you get some Baba Java coffee or your other favorite coffee. And it's got to be cold brewed. So fill the glass up about halfway with cold brew and ice. Then when the magic happens. So you get your blender, get about 120 milliliters of some kind of milk. can be dairy-free. It can be raw cow's milk, Mm -hmm. like I prefer. Put a banana maybe a sprinkle of maple syrup, blend it with some ice, pour that and fill the remainder of the cup, give it a stir, and you've got a delicious banana cream cold brew. It's good it was stuff. delicious. And Tell us about the coffee shops you have coming up. The coffee shops, um, those are exciting. Um, I'm really in love with this brand. We came up with the idea of doing coffee at the Pazitz about two years ago. And one of our partners and our team found a uh, up-and-coming brand called Honest Roasters out of Franklin, Tennessee. So we went up up there, met with the uh, with the owners, and we loved them. They loved us, and 
basically we are doing two shops in Birmingham. One at the Bazitz, which is delayed in construction because it is what it is. But the, the Edgewood location should be opening up end of the month or early next month. And um, one of my bartenders, we brought her on and she got promoted and she's going to be one of our partners there now. And um, Diego, who's also one of my best friends and one of my best teammates per se, is also going to be operating one of our stores. Where in Edgewood will it be? Will it be on the strip there? Mm -hmm. On the strip, right beside the Onapoke. Um, there's the, a the old, the old creamery, or uh, no? What shut the old uh, dream dream cakes? Dream cakes, yeah. So oh, okay. I'm the old dream cakes. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we I went in there and um, just remodeling it, turning it over, and just making it into a family friendly neighborhood. It's a good spot for coffee a coffee shop. shop. Oh yeah. I guess the nearest one is that O. Henry's there in downtown Homewood. Well, there's a few, man. Uh, o. Henry's, there's Caveat, Frothy Monkey's going where's, in there. Where's Caveat? Oh. Oh, oh I it's think in I that little it weird. It's it's in an odd space, you know? Like, I like their coffee, but it's just their location's a little bit off. Yeah. Um, It's like. That's why I can't think of where it is. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, If you want to do your business, location, location, location. I guess yeah. it's, it's important. You can't just dump something down and hope it works. Yeah, you've got strong locations. Pizzitz, yeah. Second Avenue North. That, yeah. That's the hot spot, man. Yeah. Everything's popping up on Second Avenue Dude, North. Yeah, and that's one thing that I learned from my partners as well. You know, so my team is very eccentric on on what and why they do certain things. We just, we just don't jump into something just to hope it works. But yeah. if it works, it works. And if it's not going to work, then we just don't touch it. Did you ever have any other jobs other than in the restaurant industry? Yeah. Did you ever have any just really random jobs? I've had some some interesting ones my first hustle actually was in pelham pelham high school at this point i wasn't working for my mom because my mom's the one that got me in trouble anyways but <laughs> um i would go to chick-fil-a and this is back when your biscuits were like a dollar 75 mm -hmm. now they're like what four bucks three bucks at it's least inflation yeah. it's crazy <laughs> and i'm only when i had a car go to chick-fil-a and buy about 10 15 chicken biscuits Go back to high school, get in the cafeteria, and sell them for five dollars a pop. So I was just I was just hustling chicken biscuits. Beautiful. Um, then during the summer, my real job, my first real check, besides doing landscaping with my dad growing up, but my first professional check where somebody paid me something, some money that wasn't my family, was while uh, detailing cars. Uh, Selective Automotive. They're still they're still in business here. Oh on yeah. One. Yeah. I was just cleaning cars. It sucked. You know, just 30 hours out in the sun, getting paid seven twenty five. I thought I was making cash. Yeah. I was not. You know, that, that was... Mm -mm. Yeah, everyone I knew were at Anthony's. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony's Car Wash. All the cool kids are at yeah. Anthony's, yeah. <laughs> I showed my mom my first check so she can cash it for me. And that's when she was like, really? Like, this is what you want to do? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, it's, it's a job. And she was like, how about you come, like, work with me? And I was like, okay, you know, and... That's how my brat life kind of started because I was just doing sketchy shit with my mom. But um, that was my first job. What were you all doing, running a charity? Uh, yeah, running charities, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I um, that's when I got into the restaurant business. That first year at Margaret Grill, was, I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. I went off to work at Jim Burke for a while. Sales or detailing? And sales, and okay. sales. Didn't like that either, you know, and I came back to the restaurant business instead, and that's all I've been doing ever since. Just been in the 
that career? Yeah, I've had some random ones. My first one, I was a lifeguard. I can see that. Yeah, fun job. You saved was, my life multiple times. That's right. <laughs> my back, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the swim club, which was the community pool in Montevallo. Okay. That was during the summer because it's an outdoor pool. And then the rest of the time, I worked at the campus, the University of Montevallo indoor pool. Because uh-huh. you can work there year-round. Yeah. And that was a fun job because the old college pool, they have a different one now. But I had a key, and it was a standalone building with the pool inside. So my high school friends and I would go at nighttime. I'd let everyone in the pool, and we'd go in there and just run amok. <laughs> they had it so you could move the lifeguard stand to a certain position climb up it, and then shimmy your way up into the rafters at mm-hmm. the top of the building. And then you had a high dive, so you could do flips off the off into the pool. That was uh, the crap out of me. Yeah. yeah. Another job I had, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to anyone who I affected through this job. I was basically a telemarketer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think I was probably 15. I worked at this company called Dytel in uh-huh. Alabaster, mm-hmm. right by Publix in that little strip center behind the cemetery. Mm-hmm. So I was a telemarketer behind a cemetery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you called people trying to get them to donate to veterans and police organizations and firefighters. I was like, mm-hmm. this is a really good cause. You know, I'll yeah. do this. I'll get paid seven twenty-five <laughs> to make phone calls. Yeah. And it was only after a few months that I found out so they told you when people ask how much of the money goes to the organizations, tell them it's a 90-10 split. I was like, okay, 90-10 split. That's not bad. You know, we got to take 10% just to keep the lights on. No, it's 90-10 the other way. So only 10% of the donations are going to oh the organizations. My gosh, yeah. This ratty little company is keeping 90% for no apparent reason. So I found that out and I was like, I can't, I, I, I just, so I quit. Another job. Oh, okay. So uh, in college, some of my friends and I worked at Abercrombie. I can see that too. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have your shirt on or off? On. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, the stores in Birmingham, they're not like the stores in New York. No, there are no models. Yeah. It's just. And they weren't ready for you, anyways. No. And when people (laughs) walked in, you had to say this. Everyone had to say the same tagline. You said, Have you checked out our great fitting jeans? (laughs) To anyone that walked in. And it was during that time that I also worked at another spot in the Galleria, mm-hmm. the kiosk called the Buckle Booth, and we were selling belt buckles. I think I remember that. Here's the thing. Katie worked at it, too, at the same time, but we never met. So my wife and I worked at the same belt buckle kiosk within the Galleria 15 years before we ever knew each other. Aww. We just worked opposite shifts. Yeah. So she would work a Tuesday. I would work a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We were sitting in the same chair. How was that conversation when y'all told each other that? We were at Pilcrow. Okay. It was on maybe our second date. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about random jobs we've had in the past. And she was like, yeah, I worked at this random kiosk in the Galleria. And we sold belt buckles. And I almost spit my drink. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what, what was it called? Are you talking about the buckle booth? And she goes, yeah, how did you know? <laughs> I worked there too. <laughs> it was absolutely just a crazy coincidence. Yeah. And then other jobs, you know, I managed a GNC throughout college, mm-hmm. personal trainer at Gold's Gym mm-hmm. and 24E. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Wayne, the owner of 24E. He's mm-hmm. awesome. I'm going to get him on the podcast soon. Mm-hmm. You Now I'm a realtor. Yeah. So here, we are. Now, here we are. I've run the full gambit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to, man, figure out like, I did the whole telephone thing too. I forgot. So I lived in Mexico City in 2010. 
So I was there for about five months. And month two, I was running out of money. So I was like, all right, I need to go get a job. So I obviously used my English skill set because um, I wasn't going to go work anywhere else. I work, worked for a company called Teletech. So Teletech basically is a um, company that runs different. I don't, I don't think it'll be. It's a customer service company. So at that time, I was working for technically Time Warner Cable. If you had an issue with your account or your cable or you needed assistance, I would answer on the other side and be like, hi, my name is Jesus Mendez. Please give me your account number. And I did that for like two months and it was great. But that's when I realized I started making money and I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't be here. Like the Mexico, I actually went to Mexico to go find myself. And then I came back, you know. Um, but that's my other random job that I had. So when you're answering the phone, are people already mad? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's giving me an attitude. And they're um, just, do they just unleash on you? No, basically? I mean I'm so chill. Like you, you really, if you know me, you really, really have to piss me off until you get any any sense of attitude out of me. Um, you'll get a lot of sarcasm out of me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, but, when people would call and you ask for the account number, did anyone know it? The older, the older people, yes. But the younger ones were like, no, wait, give me one moment. Because they just assume that of your name that I would know who, exactly who you are. That's how I am. Anytime that I have to call somewhere and they ask me for my account number, mm-hmm. I don't know. Can yeah. you can you look me up by and anything other than that? My Engl- Now that I remember, my English was so good that I would have to translate for other people that were there. Because those other people were just were actual Mexicans halfway speaking English. The whole idea that they made money was by hiring cheap labor in Mexico. So you're thinking when you spoke to me that I'm somewhere in Alabaster and Hoover trying to help you out because of my English, per se. So that's that was a really interesting motto on how they were doing that. But Us working in call centers reminds me of the awesome YouTube channel. So if you have any built-up resentment surrounding scammers, uh-huh. you know, we're always getting scam calls. Mm-hmm. You're, extend your car warranty, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Which works, by the way. I bought one, and for my truck, it works. You you actually purchased yeah. that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and then it broke down uh, two months ago, and I called it, and I used it, and they reimbursed it to me and everything. Seriously? Yeah. I always assumed that was just a, a, no, a scam. No, no, It's real. It's it's a real thing. Extended car warranties? Yes, that's a real thing. I'm dumbfounded by that. Yeah, it's the best. I only paid, I think, $1,800 for my service and for the for the contract for, I think, 40, 40 miles and a three-year contract. And my truck started having issues. And then they called the number, and there was my account, and saved me a bunch of money. No kidding. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> There's this YouTube channel. This guy's like a very, very talented hacker, okay. but he uses his powers for good instead of evil. Oh no! So he will hack into these scammer call centers, mm-hmm. and he can hack into their closed caption cameras, and he can look at them, and he'll zoom in on them. He can find out their names. And he'll find out where they live. So he can hack into a call center in Sri Lanka and get into the camera system. And while he's on the phone with them, he'll tell them their real name or he'll tell them their address. And he'll tell them what color shirt they're wearing. And he'll absolutely freak them out. And you can see it all on this YouTube channel. It's something like Scammer University or... um, I can't think of the name of you could you I could think it's Cambridge University. I've you could punch in a search for it and find it, but it, mm-hmm. oh man, it's satisfying to see that instant karma. That's also really creepy. Awesome YouTube channel. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean that's where we're at now. The coffee shops. Um 
very excited for a new project that we got in play, but I can't really announce it until we sign the paperwork. But hopefully it happens. That's just a little tease right there. So yeah. there's so there's something coming up. If mm-hmm. I guessed it, would you nod your head yes or no? Yeah, I would tell. Oh yeah, if you guessed it right on the okay. point, then I'll tell you the entire story. Is it a restaurant? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Is yeah. it still Mexican food? It's still Mexican food. Yeah, that's all I know. I don't want to jump into something I don't know. Stay in your lane. Stay in my okay. lane. Yeah. Is it in downtown or in a or in a suburb? Hell yeah, downtown. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my that's my hot spot. I'm not going anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. I think that's enough to reveal for now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to dig too deep. But so mm-hmm. there's an upcoming Mexican restaurant downtown. Mm-hmm. Is it, would you say it's more upscale or more like street food? And more street food. Okay. I love the idea of upscale, but I still need to keep building my team to get to that level. There's always a um, misconception of what upscale is, and we all have a different perspective of what that is. In my, pers- in my perspective, it's going to be a little bit hard to reach. So as we grow and develop and get to that point, I would love to do an upscale restaurant in Birmingham with Mexican food. Yeah. But that's maybe like in the future. I was about to say, you, you can't name it Chewy's. Can't name it Chewy's. That, you know how people think I own Chewy's? Oh, like, if I own Chewy's, I would not be talking to you here right now. I'd I got to ask. Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> I got to ask only because I don't really know how did Chewy come about. Okay. Chewy, kind of like a sad story. So growing up in the South, being named Jesus, or in this case, Jesus, um, was kind of hard, you know? So I grew up really embarrassed of my name. Just super embarrassed of my name. It was because it wasn't fun. Oh, here comes Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And people would just laugh. Even the teachers would laugh at that time. Luckily, I had some friends that would just call me Jesus, um, all in high school, especially at Thompson really sucked because it was just, oh, Jesus, this, Jesus, that. Yeah. And you lived in a world at that time where it was okay to, to call me the degradatory word in Mexican or like, can I say? You like, can say whatever. Yeah, like wet back, you know, or the Mexican and just, or the brown boy. Like it was just okay to say it back then and people would just laugh, you know? So I was always very, especially coming from a small community of Latinos at that time. Now they're everywhere, but now at that time, you just kind of, Haha, <laughs> you know, or kept your head down. You couldn't say anything really Oh, back. good one. Yeah, you know, and it sucked. So, um, hate that I felt that way, but now I'm like very powerful about it. Like now I want you to call me something, you know, because now I can really defend myself. Or if you want to call me Jesus, go right ahead because I'm I'm real proud of my name because it's a powerful name. Yeah. And um, so all my life it was either Jesus, Chewy, Jesus. Um, or Chuchin, which is what my parents call me. Um, some close friends call me that too because they think it's cute, but whatever. What is that? Chuchin. What does that mean? It's uh, another nickname for Jesus. Oh, okay. So in Mexico, you have like a list of nicknames for Jesus. Chuy, Chuchin, Chente, uh, Chupe, Chucho, uh, Chuyito. What's another one? I think that's it. There's probably a bunch more. So all those names are common nicknames, nicknames for, for Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like how... Um, in America, we have those strangest nicknames for longer names, like how Bob is short for Robert, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Jim is short for James. Mm-hmm. Like James is already a short name, but Jim yeah. is yeah, apparently Mickey, short for that. Yeah. yeah, we have a, a lot of random names like that. Yeah, I sound like a sound like a rap song. So Chewy on. is a common nickname. Chewy for is a common Jesus. nickname. Okay. And the reason when I got that name is when I went to Margarita Grill, the GM's name was also Jesus, but so was the cook's name. So was 
the bus boy, and then you had me. So he kind of rattles up, like gets us all together and is like, hey, well, him speaking, like, I'll be the real Jesus, but you guys can't be Jesus because there's so much confusion. <laughs> yeah. Jesus who? Like, which Jesus are they talking about? So he looks at the cook and he's like, you're Cacho. Looks at the bus boy or whatever. He's like, you're Chucho. And then he looks at me, like literally looks at me, you're Chewy. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, okay, I'm Chewy now. Gave him yeah. a little tag and I and I ran with Chewy. You owned it. I owned it, yeah, all the way up until I worked with Frank. When I worked with Frank, they stopped it. And um, that's when she gave me, or Pardis gave me a real perspective. Because she saw it on my resume. I'm like, what, what is this Chewy thing? I'm like, oh, it's my nickname. And I'm like, I want to be called Chewy. And she's like, we don't we do not do that here. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, that's my name. She's like, no, your name is not Chewy. Your name is Jesus. And I, I kind of just like gulped. I'm like, because I didn't want to be, I was so embarrassed of that name. And then I told her how I felt. And she was like, no, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, that's a beautiful name. You should really own it. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Like, why have I been so ashamed of my name this entire time? So, like, 2018, 19 is when I started really, like, getting my real name out there so people can really understand who I really am now. Yeah. Yeah. So you prefer to go by Jesus? Um, It's been a battle. I think my brand name has always been Chewy, but people kind of just don't realize that the person in the background really struggling, stressing, crying, trying to figure out a way to make things happen has always been Jesus. Yeah. You know, so... So and could this, you say that maybe Chewy is almost like your alter ego? Chewy is my alter ego. Yeah, Jesus is definitely a powerful name, but I think Chewy is too because mm-hmm. there's only one. There is and only one, And you yeah. can go by one name like Beyonce. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you can... I'm glad that I'm at that level of Beyonce. W- you know, when I'm, yeah. when I'm typing the episode title and everything, I debated just writing Chewy mm-hmm. because everyone just knows one Chewy. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll write whatever mm-hmm. we want. Now, like on my LinkedIn, it's Jesus... Quotation, Chewy. Yeah, yeah, Mendes, yeah. Best of both worlds. Best of both. Yeah, because I can't, I can't, one, I can't forget where I come from, which is Jesus. But then I can't, also can't forget who people know, which is Chewy. But, so I honor both names now. At first I was just trying to be completely Jesus, but I'm like, that's not ever going to work. So let's just keep it, keep it natural and keep it flowing. What are some of your other favorite restaurants in town? In town? hmm Man. People know me. I'm a huge snob, like, for food. I don't know why or how I became this. I really am. If I don't like it, I don't like it. I just don't touch it. I wish I could change that, but just natural. I'm a jerk when it comes to food. But um, my favorite restaurant to eat at are actually five. Those are the ones that I just, like, rotate. It will always be Chef Anton. And I love Sam and Bernie and their sushi at... um. At Bamboo. I love the ramen over at Shoe Shop with the Diva. Um, That's a cool atmosphere, too, mm-hmm. especially late at night. They start mm-hmm. banging some old Project Pat and 3-6 Mafia mm-hmm. music. It's like, mm-hmm. You don't expect for a restaurant to play that kind of music, but when they turn it up loud and you're eating a ramen bowl, it just yeah. It hits. Yeah, and um, my other... And my, like, the perfect just, like, go fast, go in, easy, it's affordable, and, like, perfect for my meetings, El Barrio. Those are my top five for me, like that I just rotate. Oh man, and the automatic. You can't really, I think. I gotta throw East West in there. Oh man, jeez, man. Kobe's gonna hate me. But yeah, East West and his wings. He's coming on soon. Yeah, he he'll is. Be he? good, he'll be a good guest. Oh, no, yeah, we all... knew each other in college. Yeah. We back. That boy, talk about a good friend, but also another good restaurateur that's always on my ass about things. That guy. He's been in my he's been in my life ever since I took over the Lewis, and he's just been 
guiding me. He's one of those few people that will actually teach you and show you and help you in comparison to other restaurateurs that are just like staying in their own lane and not not wanting to see you like do better. Yeah. But that, that guy is good. That, guy, he, that guy is real good. He is. And he also had to earn his keep. You know, his dad mm-hmm. didn't just throw money at him. His dad made him work hard for 10 years and really earn it. Yeah. Well, he's, he's OG. He's legit. He has my full respect. Yeah. Now same. and always. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, East West, the autom- how did I forget the automatic? The automatic is probably between Fawn Fawn and automatic or my top two. What about, um, I know fitness has been a big part of your life lately. Yeah, I do. Not lately. I mean, I guess it has for, for some time. Forever. But you've really been focusing on it for the past at least few years. Where are you working out now that you're not at Lifetime? Um, well, my last days in Lifetime are like next week. Right now I'm working with, I'm so grateful I have these guys in my life because they came in, they came in my life earlier this year, January. I wasn't, I wasn't okay here and here for a minute. And um, I reached out to um, Kevin who works at El Barrio. I was having a meeting and I just saw him and I'm like, Hey man, are you still working out with like David at, at wheelhouse? And he's like, yeah. And I'm just like asking him on a date. Can I go out with you? You know, like, can I go work out with you? And he was like, yeah, we would love to have you. So I have a membership at wheelhouse Academy with Lewin and um, they have a open gym membership. So I just go in there and I just use the facility and I work out with Kevin and I work out with David and they follow this I don't know if he's a CrossFitter, Marcus, Marcus Gooley or Marcus. I'll, I'll find a picture. And when you pull him up, he looks like a, like a Spartan God. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, like this, we're doing his workouts. And they're like, yeah, every time I walk, I do this workout with Kevin and David, I feel like, and it's a full body workout. Okay. So it's like soft core, like warm up, And then it becomes like strength conditioning. And then it becomes like straight conditioning. And then it's like five workouts in one for like an hour. It's just nonstop movement. And I always feel like they're trying to kill me, but it's the like most accomplishing workouts that I can get. And I've developed so much more like physical discipline with these guys because they don't put up with my, they're like, Hey, you're doing that wrong. Hey, we know you're being lazy, like pick up a bigger weight. Or if they see me doing something wrong, like, Hey, they know I have back issues. Are you okay doing that? Like they, they care so much. And when we're done, we're just, Hey man, just, Bro it out. Good job. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Like yeah. I have not missed a workout unless I'm unless I'm uh, traveling or something and then I'll miss it. But I work out with them Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays and they've been a big part of my life and my recent fitness journey. But I feel you. I've gotten where I also enjoy working out with a group or taking a class and you know, I was a personal trainer for years, so I know how to make a workout, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Just having someone else design a workout and just put you through it is nice because you don't have to focus on what's next. You don't have to focus on designing it. Just mm-hmm. focus on the execution. And that has been a game changer for me. One thing I really enjoyed, I'm, I'm not doing it right now, but I, I kind of go back and forth and give my body a break. Orange Theory. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Talk about an intense mm-hmm. workout. Orange <laughs> Theory is no joke. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I did that once. Yeah. I was like, Were okay. you just panting? I like Orange Theory. I just didn't, I couldn't, I'm also a color guy. I could not dig with the orange. I don't know why. I can't What's do. What's in the name, Chewy? What did yeah. you expect? <laughs> uh, Planet Fitness. Yeah. I can't deal with the purple and Very yellow. purple. I just can't. I'm like, I can't be in here. There's another one called Amped <laughs> over off 280. Okay. Amped is so blue. Amped is way bluer than this. Yeah. It's just like blue fluorescence in your yeah. face. 
But uh, I like Lifetime for the atmosphere. Dude, yeah. And they have all, you know, they just have a really nice facility. Mm-hmm. They have amenities. Mm-hmm. They have pools and hot tubs mm-hmm. and saunas. And it's just a, a it's, nice. It's clean. It's clean. It's a, it's a bougie gem, literally. But, I mean, I'm moving um, more downtown next month. So um, there's a private gym across the street from me called Sculpt. So I don't know if you heard about them. I've heard of it, yeah. So, I think, is that where I think is where Alex Trulock works out? I think so. Yeah. And then you have uh, one of Wayne's facilities, uh, 24 24E. Yeah, fit, I was a member executive. of that one. So I'll be going to that instead. Just two blocks down. It makes more sense just to walk there. 24E will always hold a special place in my heart. That was that was when I first became an independent personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So that was really the first time that I technically owned my business you know being mm-hmm. an independent contractor and it was at the one in hoover mm-hmm. that's my favorite gym of all time before. because at the time i was working out twice a day i was that was all i did was work mm-hmm. out because when you're working in a gym you know it, yeah. it fits everyone else there that i was hanging out with that's all they did too mm-hmm. so it was some of the best workouts in my life mm-hmm. they had awesome equipment because they bought all that equipment from a gym in pelham called body shop you remember that gym it's over across across 119 from Iguana Grill. It's kind of behind that facility back there. It's called the Body, or wait, Powerhouse. Yes. Not Body Shop. Body Shop was an alabaster powerhouse. Mm-hmm. They had the best equipment. So when they shut down, Wayne bought all that equipment, went and opened up 24E in Hoover next to Ellis Piano, and it became a very legit gym very fast. Nice. And all the people that were serious about bodybuilding were working out there. Mm-hmm. So you had... Greg Hasbury training all of his bikini competitors there. Mm-hmm. You had all the guys that were competing within the NPC bodybuilding competitions working yeah. out there. So you had all these people taking it really seriously around you. So you really, really had no choice but to take it seriously. So I was meal prepping six meals a day, nice. bringing it in, carrying a, a gallon water jug with they me. They go to Abercrombie afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, those were really good times. Yeah, man. I mean, I think fitness is a big Fitness is big, especially in what I do. One, it's just like it's I'm I'm a walking figure. I have to go everywhere, and I and I want to feel good about myself. But it's also just kind of just personal, just self discipline. You know, just going in there and kicking your own, ass. and then going out into the real world and doing work and not letting anybody affect you because you already hurt your feelings at the very beginning of the day. You know, so that's the perspective that I use for for working out. Are you working out in the mornings now? Or you All go- in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah, just get out of the way, you know. Sometimes I'll do two-a-days, and so I'll get my real workouts in with, with Kevin and David, and then I'll go to Lifetime, or I'll, in this case, I'll go now to 24E, and I'll just get my cardio in. I'll get on the treadmill and do a couple, two, three-mile runs and call it a day. Do you consistently work out with Ryan D'Alessio over there? On and off, on and off. He's um, a good dude. He is a great guy. Did you know him at Pelham? No, we went to school together, but we never crossed paths. Yeah. I started really connecting with him beginning of this year. I just saw him at Lifetime just walking, and then I called him, hey, what's up, man? We just started clicking, talking about life, and then, hey, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool, too. Yeah, Let's I've be always, cool together. <laughs> I've always liked him, man. He's just a, a very laid-back guy. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Yeah, he's good. One thing um, that has completely been a game-changer for me is working out in the morning. For my whole life, up until two years ago, I was like a three o'clock guy. I would I would plan my day around working out. A.M. No. Oh, about to say what? <laughs> no, I was always I always had the mindset of work out later in the afternoon yeah. once your body had had time to warm up. Once mm-hmm. you've been awake, once mm-hmm. your blood flow is going, I'd always worked out early afternoon. 
But once I just train myself to get up 5, 5.30, go to the gym, get there around 6, 6.30, that was a game changer for me. And here's why. Your blood type determines a lot about your physiology, okay? I'm a blood type A negative. So for my specific blood type and for some of the others, first thing in the morning, you have a big cortisol spike. You know, cortisol is a stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And evolutionarily speaking, that happened because you'd have to get up in the morning. When you were a caveman, you might have to chase down a buffalo or chase down some kind. So you needed this cortisol spike to give you energy in the morning to go out and catch breakfast. Mm -hmm. Well, now we don't have to do that. So you have this cortisol spike. And if you don't do a lot of activity in the morning, then you have this free-flowing cortisol all throughout your body just causing this underlying stress and tension. So if you go ahead and work out in the morning, you burn off that cortisol. So you feel super chill throughout the day. And once you've gotten the workout out of the way, you just feel a lot more leveled all throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Do you know what your blood type is? Mm -hmm. I have a test kit. We can do it after this. I would like that. Yeah, Yeah. we can do that. I always wondered what it was. Okay. Yeah, we'll find out what yours is. And you can also determine the best diet for you based on your blood type. My diet is crap. I don't well, you're you're a big time foodie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who are type O or O negative, type O positive or negative, should be more paleo mm-hmm. and more red meat. People who are type A positive or negative should eat primarily vegetables, some chicken, fish, but primarily plant based. And then the others are a mix of the two. But those are kind of like polar opposite blood types. Oh man, I'm probably like blood type M for. Mexican food and margaritas. <laughs> blood type Q for queso. <laughs> yeah, because so. <laughs> yeah. that's what I probably am. That's all I eat. I got to chill. Yeah, it's so good, man. Yeah. Well, Chewy, thanks for coming on the podcast, buddy. It's been me, a long man. time coming. Yeah, we'll have to get together soon and play some pickleball. A hundred percent. Yeah, I've been since we played. I've been telling everybody about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably kind of. I've been late watching to YouTube videos trying to. I figured I was going to get your shots down. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you think you've honed your skills since no, we played? No, I didn't know. Uh, no. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be putting the spin on it? Yeah. Yeah. Got All right, my man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll do Thanks, this man. soon. You too. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. 100%.